Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. About the time I launched my first episode of this podcast, my friend and colleague, Samantha Hicks, told me that I should check out another podcast by a friend and colleague in the sports industry of hers, a woman named Deanna Witter, who was the CRO or is the CRO of the Houston Dynamo and who had just launched a podcast of her very own called Women Blazers. I took a look, took a listen, and was immediately impressed. How cool that Deanna and I both started these podcasts at the same time with very, very similar messages and agendas to elevate women in sports. I kept my eye on Deanna and eventually asked her if she'd join me as a guest, to which she replied, of course. So that's who I bring you today, Deanna Witter. But before I go any further, the other side of this great and true story is the side of what could have happened. And I want to share that with you. And that's the side that could have been competitive. I could have been intimidated by Deanna. I could have seen the Women Blazers podcast as competition. I could have ignored another woman working hard in the same space as me, kept my head down, and hoped to somehow win a race that probably both of us did not know we were even running against each other. Instead, I chose the road of inclusion. What if we work together? Our missions are so similar, and instead of that similarity being a crowded, negative thing, maybe it could be positive. I have to point out this to all of you today because 10 to 15 years ago, I don't know that I would have made the same choice to reach out and said, let's work together versus felt more of a competitive let's compete. And it's felt like a real evolution for me in this process. And I hope that it also feels like an evolution is happening right now for women, that we're really thinking about supporting each other versus individually working our hardest to get to the top. And getting to know Deanna has been such a great experience. And now I get to share with all of you an incredible conversation with tons of great information And what a fantastic result. On starting a podcast for both Deanna and I, this decision did not come lightly. We both received similar type advice, including be brave enough to suck at something new is something Deanna had heard from from a mentor of hers. And a mentor of mine said, just start, produce C-grade work, make it messy. Getting it out there imperfectly is more important than just waiting on perfection because perfection could be forever. So I'll challenge you, do you have something you want to do? 
Take Deanna and I as real-time, real-world examples of putting ourselves on the line for something we believe in, elevating women leader in sports, and pressing play on imperfection and inexpertise to serve a community in a space we are very passionate about. We want to lead her forward. With that, I'm so excited to welcome Deanna to episode 29 of the Leadership is Female podcast. Deanna speaks to us today about this theme of graduation in her career. I think you will find it as eye-opening as you do inspiring. This woman is on fire, and we get the benefit of her voice and advice. So without further ado, I bring to you Chief Revenue Officer of the Houston Dynamo and Dash, Deanna Witter. So excited today on the Leadership is Female podcast to have Deanna Witter. Welcome to the podcast. Tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Well, thank you, Emily, for, for having me on your podcast. Uh, again, my name is Deanna Witter. Um, I currently serve as the Chief Revenue Officer for the Houston Dynamo and the Houston Dash of MLS and NWSL. Um, how I got here? <laughs> Good question. Um, so to give you a little background, so I was, I was the eight-year-old tomboy that you probably knew in school. Um, I wore nothing but Nike. I was sponsored by Nike as an eight-year-old love sports, was obsessed with basketball um, at eight years old and fell in love with soccer around 10 years old. And, um, you know, the interesting thing of, about, about my situation was, you know, I was, I was raised by a single mother and uh, my father and his family sort of left um, around the time I was 10 years old. And my mom um, let me play sports, which was, was just nice because my mom didn't have time to take me to sports and couldn't afford them. So her rule was you can play any sport that you can walk to. And so I had basketball I could walk to and there's a soccer field about a half mile down the street that um, was hold, holding leagues. And, and sports to me um, was such a, a huge impact on my life because you know being an athlete um, and being a part of a team uh, gave me purpose. It gave me uh, direction uh, and made me feel like I was a part of something um, where I added value to. And as an athlete, it's so clear that if you're really good at something, then there's a sense of an opportunity to like be a captain or be a leader. And there's a sense of need for you. And how I felt about being an athlete is how I wanted to feel for the rest of my life. And that was sort of the start of all of it. It was a sense that I was going to be an athlete forever and um, be a part of a team. And uh, so over, over the course of my years getting older, um, obsessed with the Pistons, I'm from Michigan originally, I'm from Flint, Michigan. And um, my mom, you know, would anytime she could grab tickets from work or free tickets from work, we'd go to Pistons games and go to any Detroit Neon games, which is an indoor soccer team that was there. The Detroit Vipers, which was a hockey team, a minor league hockey team that was that was also in Detroit. So we'd go to those games with my friends and my mom all the time. And um, there's this one experience specifically where my mom, through a contact, was able to get me and my best friend um, courtside seats at the scores table of this Pistons game. They would play the Warriors. Um, and, uh, I remember most of the experience was that there's all these people walking around in suits. And I said, I don't know what those people do, but I'm going to do that. And that sort of set my course. I was, I was, uh, I thought it was 12. I actually looked back at the ticket and I was 14. So that gives you a better sense. Um, I actually have the ticket still and everything. So, um, I was 14 years old. I made that claim and I just knew I had to go to college to get there. So, um, went to central Michigan university on a scholarship, um, had an opportunity to play soccer uh, at another school, but I had to make a, a better decision for the sort of the future of my life and what I really wanted. And, and so I went to Central Michigan, was out there on scholarship, 
um, went to school for marketing and advertising with the focus to work for a sports team. And um, I would just work the circuits of the sports, uh, the sports career fairs. Um, started going into the Detroit Pistons career fair when I was a freshman, going to tables and saying, I want to I want to work for a sports team. Who is it that you hire and who do I need to become so that you would hire me? And they gave me some really great advice and introduced me to, to ticket sales and the impact that you have with every ticket that you sell, that you're the one creating the environment for the for the players and the team to win, as well as giving back an experience that the same experiences that that inspired me to do what I wanted to do. So I was really um, connected with that and um, went that path really. And so I graduated in um, 06 uh, as a first generation college student and um, was invited to an MBA career fair my senior year. Um, it was an invitation um, Teamwork Online would host in partnership with NBA. And I walked away with that from that experience with six job offers with six NBA teams. And um, I had a chance to, to sort of choose where I was gonna go. And um, I, I went with the Indiana Pacers and joined the Indiana Pacers where I launched my career. So um, I, you want me to keep going down the path or is that? <laughs> well, okay, so the story is broken. incredible. Um, I'm, I like can't, I'm not gonna interrupt you because I am transfixed on and hanging on your every word. Um, amazing <laughs> from athlete to, to front office and really have sports in your blood. It, it helped raise you along with your amazing mom. And um, I just, I love that story. And I want to um, dig in on, on a couple of things. So your college decision. So for anybody who's listening, who's got kids in college or who might be um, looking to college themselves, there's a lot of decisions to make, especially as female athletes. I was similar. I played soccer growing up. I could go to one school and play my sport or go to university of Illinois and focus on my education. And ultimately Gianna, I made a similar decision, um, that you did. So I want to just pause for one second and yeah. talk about that really important, um, decision in your life and, and how, how you made it. It was very hard because I had been so focused to play sports in college. I thought that was going to be my ticket. I thought that was my only ticket to go to college. And so I was so um, invested in the op opportunity to continue to be an athlete, which I was very invested in. That's who I was. I was, that was, I was nothing but an athlete. So it was really hard to think that I wouldn't be going in, even into college and that there would even be an opportunity to go somewhere without being an athlete too. So those two things were interesting, but I got down to, I went to the college. Um, I was a, about ready to take the path of playing soccer at um, it was, the college is called Aquinas. Um, it's a division two in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And um, I, I went to the orientation. I was like the new student athlete orientation thing. And um, the basketball, the men's basketball coach stood up and he had said, listen, if you, I, I'm trying to remember in what context he said it in, but he had said something that was really, that hit a, hit a chord with me. And he had said, um, if you were red shirted, or injured, you have to ask yourself, would you want to be at this school? Would this school help you with the path that you want to be on if you don't proceed? Sort of knowing that anybody there is not going to become a professional athlete, right? So it was like, if you were redshirt or injured, would you want to be at this school? I thought, no. <laughs> so I don't see myself here. You know, it was a it was a private school. It was very expensive. Um, I really felt in tune with the coach and the team, and I was excited. I had had to try out for my for the spot 
um, for the opportunity that they presented to me. Um, but ultimately, I didn't see myself beyond being an athlete there. I didn't see myself being a student there, you know? And so I think that was, um, that was eye-opening for me and it helped me make the decision I made. Well, and I think that's so interesting because that was very early on. I mean, you're probably 18 that mm-hmm. you learned that, that critical decision-making skill and that it's not always a yes. Like just because the opportunity is available doesn't mean that you have to say yes and that there are all other alternatives. And I can, my mind is racing with all the different implications for both in life and then in business, working in, in sports and in partnerships and with clients, like yeah. it's not always a yes. And to have the ability to be decisive is a critical skill for your mm-hmm. career. Absolutely. I mean, I truly believe sometimes the best opportunity is not to take the opportunity and you have to be able to um, break that down for yourself. It's not an easy decision, but you have to know ultimately who you are and who you want to be so that you can make those decisions in the right direction. I got to repeat that. The best opportunity is not to take the opportunity. Sometimes sometimes it's not to take the opportunity. Yeah. I, I think I felt, I felt at peace, knowing that I had accomplished my goal with the opportunity to be an athlete in college. Yes. I out to do that. That was, that wasn't that I had to be okay with that. And that felt, I was very rewarded in that opportunity and, but it wasn't the best opportunity in the end. And I had to take the, the position that I think would put me in the better set to, to go forward with having a better path in life that I was set out to, to take. That's incredible advice. And there was another nugget in, in your intro you talked about career fairs and smart questions that you were asking to recruiters. And, <laughs> yeah. and I, um, you laid a couple of questions out there just so quickly um, that I want to reiterate to the listeners because there's, you know, this, this like subset of, of like softball type questions that, um, that you can ask to, to somebody when you're looking for a job, but you were saying like, what does it take to get to the top? What, it, what is the most critical skill that that's necessary for this position? Talk, right. talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So when I went to the career fairs as a freshman, I, I went to the tables, um, nervous, but with this falsehood of confidence, of course, <laughs> said, you know, I, I'm a freshman. I know that, you know, you're not going to hire me out of the gate, but I, I'm actually here to learn. Um, I want to be somebody that you would hire when I'm, when I'm graduating or for an internship. And then when I graduate, and I think that perked up some ears. And then I said, you know, um, ultimately who is it that you hire, um, out of college and what are some of the things that I need to do? So I'm that person. And they started, that's when they started to lay out sort of ticket sales, what it is. I felt very connected with it after sharing some of my experiences. And then the advice they had given me was, um, one at first. So at that point, I actually went to central originally thinking that athletic training was going to be my path to stay on the bench, to be a part of the team. I did that for a semester. After going to that career fair, I changed to marketing and advertising based on their recommendation. So changing my major was came out of that. Um, and then what jobs I took in college, like don't just go to college and think your degree is enough. You have to work and you have to do work that would allow you to be in front of people. And so serving like serving jobs, um, retail sales, uh, bartender, like those were the ones that they had recommended. So I was a, I was a hostess and a waitress and a bartender throughout college um, to help me just sort of gain confidence of just talking and creating sort of these like minute relationships with people, um, which I think really helped me in the end. It's clear that your 
curiosity and willingness to learn is what's led to your success. You said you started with the Pacers. That was, that was your choice. And then you think you get to the Lions, back to the Pacers, to the NBA league office, to the Cavs, and now CRO in Houston. Mm-hmm. So a lot of different moves in your career, physical and, um, and also climbing, climbing the ladder. So can you talk a little bit about how do you know when it's right to take the next opportunity? Yeah. So for me, um, I take in the sense of like graduating, like, I feel like I've graduated from my role. My biggest thing is when I go somewhere and this was even getting into the industry in general, like I, I'm in this role because I want to make a difference. And when I feel like I've graduated and what I'm able to put forth is no longer making a great impact or I, the impact opportunity is less, but going somewhere else makes, it gives me an opportunity to make a bigger impact there, then it's time for me to consider the next step. And usually that's in terms of capacity of where I'm able to make those affect that change or that opportunity of difference making, right? So, you know, as a, as a group sales rep, I got to, I was the number one group sales rep after two years. I, I was had an opportunity to be a manager, but the opportunity wasn't there. Uh, I, I, I was actually interviewed for it. I didn't get it. Um, and that really opened my eyes to say, I'm looking too small. Like I, is group sales manager really what I, is that my end game? No, it's like, I want to be a VP of ticket sales. I want to run my own ticket sales team. I was inspired. I had a great VP at the Pacers and I wanted to be him. I wanted to be making the decisions and making an impact, making a difference in other people's lives, the people who, I, who work for me, the organization, as well as the fans and the community that I would serve. And to do that, um, I would probably have to get more experience and go wide. And so I was a group seller out of the gate. So I went to the Lions to sell season tickets. And um, so I wanted to just, again, expand and go wide in my skill set. Um, after six months at the Lions, I got a call back from the Pacers to come back to be the director of group sales. And um, I was like, well, here we go. Here's a growth opportunity. Now I'm leading. And so I went back to the Pacers and I led. And then after what, I think it was another three and a half years, I grew to senior director, you know, up for VP, did not get the VP, but I knew I had the capacity to be a VP and to continue to make impact when the opportunity wasn't there for me. I wasn't going to, I don't let the organization tell me what I'm ready for. I have to go and do it because I couldn't imagine having that fire and then not letting, like letting that burn on somewhere else. And so I, I then go and I go to the league office where that opportunity was to grow and make a difference at the league office. And after two years there, you know, the opportunity at the Cavs came up, which was the VP position I, I had set out to achieve. And um, everything else after that feels like icing on my cake because I, I, I keep challenging myself beyond what I thought my capacity was and it keeps pursuing forward. So there's a sense of graduation, there's a sense of opportunity and a sense of not stopping, never settling, never stopping in any moment if I feel like I have more to give. I love the way you phrase that about graduating. When we're younger, it's a natural path to move to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And as we grow in our careers, there's all sorts of other elements that are included in that decision-making, including emotion, our coworkers, location, ownership. You know, there's there's other factors but what you've really kept your eye focused on is your personal growth and your opportunity to serve that company and bring about meaningful change. Your capacity is unlimited. 
So if it is limited within the scope of your current position, you're going to look for that expansion. And that's really sounds like your very, very clear direction. Yes, very so. And so now Chief Revenue Officer, Houston Dynamo, Houston mm-hmm. Dash, talk to us a little bit about what, what does that mean? What's your job? What's your day-to-day? What's your season-to-season responsibilities? Yeah, so I oversee all of our um, revenue strategy and the execution of that strategy across both our clubs and our stadium. Um, I, I have a team of now 45 between the um, corporate partnership sales and uh, marketing team, as well as the ticket sales and service premium teams. Um, so those, those are the teams that I oversee. But the day-to-day, um, as you probably are similar to me, is we're in meetings. <laughs> 95% of our days um, is in meetings, strategizing, discussing sort of the next steps of moving the business forward and how we're serving our community and our fans. And so um, it, it, it's almost so much the breakdown, but um, we're obviously always looking at ways in which the things that we're doing how what we do impacts the opportunity to generate revenue that then goes right back into the club. And obviously the performances that you see on the field and sort of investing the players, the infrastructure of the front office, and then obviously how we deliver experiences to our fan base. And so um, it's a, it's a heavy load of responsibility, but God, I love it. (laughs) I just absolutely love it. You guys, we have a new website, leadershipisfemale.com. Please visit us and know that we are here to help get you to the top faster. Are you a career female looking for an edge? Are you looking for answers on how you can level up? Our purpose is to bring interviews with female leaders in sports each week through this podcast, Leadership is Female, so you can uncover opportunities, hear tips to elevate your career, Learn from our mistakes and successes so that you can get to the top faster. We're giving you all the advice we know now that we wish we knew then. We're extending a hand back to lead you forward. Let's go. Visit leadershipisfemale.com. Join our newsletter. Check out all the episodes of the podcast and stay tuned for more resources to lead you forward. Leadershipisfemale.com. You have an athletic mindset. You are tough and yet calm under pressure. You are a leader, a hard worker, and a believer in the process. Now is time to put it all together. Athletes Seek an Edge and the Win Again Academy will give you just that. Visit markmoyer.com slash winagain-academy. Register today for a virtual networking event in the club room. You won't believe the people you'll meet. Personally, it's the best virtual networking event platform I have ever used and most connected event I have attended. Visit markmoyer.com slash winagain-academy. Speaking of, of your career and the clear direction that you've had with the way that you've wanted to elevate, has there been a specific hurdle you can think of and how did you clear it? I think we kind of touched on it. I mean, the hurdle generally is I'm ready, but the opportunity is not there at the time I'm ready to move. I mean, it's interesting too, as you know, sometimes in our industry, there's a sense like you're a mover. Like, so is this person going to stay? And they're looking for somebody that's going to be a person that stays there and gets comfortable in a role. So you always got to think about the balance of being somebody who moves. And and then there's a balance of somebody who just stays and maybe you won't get a call 
if there's an opportunity somewhere else. So I, I think you just got to be who you are and, and think about those things. But my biggest challenge has been that, you know, sometimes um, my goal is to stay somewhere and grow in that one organization, but the opportunity to grow there isn't there. So I've had to make a move and making a move in, in my situation. I mean, you know, you're, you're a mother and a wife as well is getting everybody else to sort of you know, be on the train with you, like mm-hmm. believe in this and getting them to believe in you so that you don't take them down a wrong path and put them in a city or a community that they don't feel comfortable in. Um, and then also leaving friends and family and things that you establish as a, as a family um, that has its challenges as well. So I, I'm so lucky that my husband is, is somebody who support, has supported sort of my dreams, and my goals from day one. And it's never easy. It's not always easy, but like, we're a team and, you know, my success is his success. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you expanded to include your family. You've got three kids (laughs) and (laughs) a big job, um, and have taken lots of big opportunities and there's other people, um, that are in your life. Now you're a family of five, you know, to consider when you're making that big move, there's a lot of of items to pack and, and also considering the landscape of sports, I think there's sort of one camp that, you know, a place to live to find it's, it's not as easy as when we were early on in our career to just pick up solo and and hit the road sinks in and stays for a really long time. And then there's another camp who's looking for for growth opportunity would certainly stay for a long time if if that expansion can keep happening. And I think that's part of that, that group. We have that sports mindset where you're always looking to improve, grow, get better, faster, stronger. Like you're applying those same right. principles to your career. Absolutely. I always tell people, I, I tell people, and I actually, this is one of the culture points with my team. It's like, you wanna be an athlete of the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes there's a situation like what you bring, that energy that you bring to that club or that team. Um, at some point, things shift around you too. Leadership could change, ownership could change, your peers could change. And all of a sudden, you playing the role you played doesn't fit anymore. And maybe your talent and what you can bring to an organization um, would benefit you as well as the organization by going somewhere else. And sometimes that reality is hard to face. But it's truly that same sense, you know, if you're, if you were the freshman that grew, that played as a varsity player, and then all of a sudden the, your people that you grew with now are moved on. And now you're the captain, you're playing with everybody else. And then they move on and they graduate. You can't play on that team anymore. You have to go on to college now, <laughs> you know, you have to just like an athlete in, in those stages, it's the same feeling in this industry. It's, it's something that I, I tap into my team as well. I want them to be inspired to, keep going, you know, um, keep growing and going and finding the right fit for them. Yeah. It's, that's such a great analogy watching sports center last night. And we're looking at what's happening in the NFL, where are the quarterbacks going? And it's, you know, apply, if you think just for a second, like applying our moves within our industry and then the players moves within their industry, high stakes, but they're, they know when it's time to go. Sometimes yeah. they ask to be released and, and to move on. And um, mm-hmm. I think that's just such a, a good lens to look through, to just give some different perspective to yeah. taking the right move and being confident in, in doing so. I love that. So when these opportunities come your way, are you recruited? Do you apply? Like talk us through the process. Like how do you stay so focused on achieving for your employer 
but then keep that awareness level high of what might be available for you next. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I, um, well, the last job I applied for was in 2008 was the lion's job. <laughs> so that's the last one I applied for, but there is a sense of, you know, when you have the sense and you feel like you're ready to graduate, um, you put feelers out, you let people know you you're sharing with your network, like I'm ready for more and more is not here right now. So I'm going to have to consider how I, how I either find more in this space that do I have more to give? And is there more capacity for, for making a difference here? Or all of a sudden, once you start to share that with your network and you sort of raise your invisible hand, people start coming to you like, Hey, you know, Deanna's ready for more, or this person's ready for more. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting calls from people beyond my network um, or through my network. Um, I, I've, I've been so blessed to have known so many great people um, and I would say most of my moves have been thanks to, to people who um, were either in my network or people who have sponsored me and, and put my name out there to somebody else and made the introduction um, based on knowing where I was at that time. So it's been, it's, it's been, um, it's, it's been nice. <laughs> so with the moves, switching gears for just a second, any tips on the physical part of the move? You've done it a couple of times. What's the, first of all, mm. the packing, the, the physical move to a new location in the U.S., but then um, the second piece to that is starting with a new team. So yeah. give us a little bit of the behind the scenes footage of the Witter family um, moving <laughs> cross country, and then let's talk about what, what that first day in the office is like. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I would say from a move, my tips are um, definitely ne negotiate a good relocation package and considering the weight of the, of the move, um, you know, if you can, if you can negotiate to get a move that is a full on pack up your house for you in the boxes and then take it to the new house and unpack those boxes for you, that is the best moves that you can have. Um, so try to get that if you're, if you're, it's somebody in a position that, that can. Um, but relocation expenses and anything you can do to minimize physical work um, is probably the best thing for everybody involved. So I've, I've had a couple of those. I think those have been the best ones. Um, the one thing for me in terms of the transitions, um, I've done this in every move. Um, some people have told me I'm crazy, but it's for, for me mentally, it's always been a better move. When I leave an organization, I leave on Friday, Monday, I start my next job. I don't take time off. I don't take weeks or months to like transition or anything. And I know that's a burden maybe more on my family, um, but for me mentally and for me to jump right into the next thing and, and show the commitment I have from the last organization to the next, um, I think it's really important for me in that transition. Once I get to that organization, the first thing I want to do is like, it's all about, you know, it's all about the people. Um, you know, people are the most important asset you have at any organization. So I dive right into getting to know um, the individuals on my team, my peers, and then and then start to work through those sort of cadences of what has been, um, what ways can I support them? What are the things we're working on? And then sort of fit into where um, where we can start to make some things. So start thinking ahead of where we are in the calendar and start diving in. It was funny because with the, with the Dynamo, um, I started two weeks before the home opener. So it was really clear that the home opener and starting the season was was something that had to, to start quickly and that the Dash had yet launched the schedule and they didn't have their schedule yet. So you, we had to build a business plan around the, the Dash like within a, the first week I was there and dive in really deep quickly. 
but that to me is usually better. I don't like, I like diving right into something and in, in projects and then getting in, in with the people right away. Great set of advice. Negotiate a good package <laughs> and then uh, jump in the new role with two feet and, and get to know the people. Um, yes. That's, that's perfect. One of those things that you've started in the last year has been your very own podcast, Women Blazers. Talk to us about it. What inspired you to do so? What's been your biggest takeaway? What's been the biggest joy? Um, let's hear about it. Yeah, no, thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. Maybe you're similar to my to my inspirations to it. So I actually had, um, back when I was at the Cavs, I, I had gotten to this VP position, right? And it was one of the first times I really picked my head up and I noticed gosh, where are all the women? <laughs> like, what is going on? It was, there's three women as VPs uh, at the time. It was myself in the NBA. It was myself. It was Jamie Morningstar in Milwaukee, who was season two. And then it was Gretchen, who's also was one of my guests um, here in Houston. She was with the Rockets. She's now the CRO um, here. And so um, it was just the three of us. And I was like, there's like, what is going on here? Now I'm in a position as a woman to hopefully make a difference in this space. And so it starts with the pipeline, right? So inside sales program, specifically, who are we hiring? Well, there was a an challenge that every time we hired an inside sales program, we had 12 people we'd hire. We'd have like two women, one person of color, all white males. Like, what is going on here? And so I started getting feedback from my team that, you know, there just isn't talent. There just isn't people out there. Like, I can't find anybody. You know, you're getting these excuses. And I said, you know, listen, I'm a pretty confident person, as you guys know. And I used to go to these career fairs. I used to run the circle and the circuit of career fairs. That's how I, you know, how I got in. I said, I will, I will tell you right now, as confident as I was, when I walked in that room and noticed that nobody looked like me, I knew I did not belong. I knew I didn't belong. And I wasn't, I wasn't bringing my best self to the, to the room. Um, now, I had built myself up over years because I had started off just asking questions without any pressure of trying to get a job. So I was able to build confidence by the time I was a junior and I knew the people in the room because I did that work. Who, who else is doing that? That was a rare thing that I was doing, you know? So, um, so I told them, I said, you know, um, we need to create a room where women can shine. So we started the Women Minority Sports Sales Symposium, which is a specific career event for women minorities, which helped us, you know, create an opportunity to hire more women and minorities. And so we started to see that pipeline. So I was happy I, I, I helped create that. Um, we launched a group called Women of the Q, um, which was an internal networking group um, at the Cavs. And then I left, you know, and I thought, okay, what do I do here at the Dynamo? Do I bring similar ideas? Maybe in this role, I can make a greater impact. Maybe I put myself out there and I start to, you know, open things up because the conversations I'm having with women, mostly were people reaching out to me and saying, hey, you got this job you know, how are you doing it? How did you get there? People just wanted to hear my story, my path. Maybe there's something there that would, you know, connect with them. That's something they should be doing or thinking about. And it's like, what if I started this podcast? You know, I've been starting to listen to podcasts on my long commute from my house to, to downtown. And I started to really respect the platform and the medium, you know, and the, the reach it could have. And so I, I, I talked to some, some people um, I trust across the industry, women, and asked them about the thought and like, yeah, do it. Yeah, like, if you can do it, do it. Like that would be huge. Like it would help so many people. And so I, um, I wrote it up. I, I you know, had the whole concept written up and then I shelved it. Um, I shelved it thinking I wouldn't be able to have the time to really launch it until after the end of the 2020 season. And then COVID hit. And COVID gave me sort of the time to, to do it. So I had a call with um, 
my, my friend in the industry, Lisa Figabom, who's episode one. And I told her, I said, um, you know, I told her the idea and she's like, you got to do it. She's like, just get it done. Get, do it now. She was so encouraging. And um, I said, okay. I said, <laughs> I said, I'm going to call you next week. We're going to do this and it's going to be bad. I said, there's this Instagram post that said, um, be brave enough to suck at something new. And I, and so um, she's like, well, then we can suck together. <laughs> so that was, that was the launch of it. And you know, the inspiration really has been that there's two folds, right? There's, there's this, there's this thing as anybody, I don't think this is a woman thing. I think there's men doing this too. Uh, I think it just gets more like put in the bucket for women is that we just don't want to, like, it's a push through. Like, if I do this, does this mean I really will like succeed? Will this ha- actually help me accomplish what I want to accomplish? There's a sense of that because there isn't enough of us. So you don't know if it would. I want you to be inspired that there's not one way to get there. You can get there any way you want your way because it's your life, you know? So I want to realize that there's so many different ways that people have gotten to where they are today. They've gone through struggles. They've gone through things. They've become mothers. They've decided not to become whatever they decide to do. It's their life and they're succeeding because they took their path and they blazed their own trail. So I, that was one. Two, there's another sense of um, amplifying the profiles. There's this, there's this notion that there isn't a lot of women in this industry. Um, there's a lot of women in this industry dominating and they're badass and you should know them. There's not enough platforms amplifying who those women are and elevating those women. And then the last piece layer is the men, I have like 25% men listeners. And there's a sense of just like respecting the hustle, you know, and just like the game of like, there's so much relatability here. You think that we're different. Like we want the same things, you know? And And it's like, when you listen to maybe as a man and you're listening to the episodes, like you get a sense of respect for the hustle and what they're going through. Um, and there's a sense of appreciation that now you can connect maybe even with your peers, your female peers on a topic that you heard in my episode. So um, so yeah, at the end, it goes back to the very beginning. I just wanna do my part to make a difference. you know. And I'm so happy you shared all that. And I can't, I can't help myself, I have to make a point. Deanna and I could be competitors we're doing, we're, we're both doing podcasts, trying to elevate women in sports, but instead we are literally high-fiving each other from across the country, including <laughs> each other in our podcast, using the hashtag women supporting women. Like this is how we do it. And I hope yes. that this is an example for you all. I've had so much fun getting to know Deanna, following her podcast, learning from the guests that she has. And I couldn't resonate any, any more with the three, three points that you made the first, you can get there your own way. So by amplifying these voices and creating visibility for women, both of our podcasts are exploring their own unique stories so that each listener, man or woman can find some type of similarity or pathway or piece of advice to help them elevate their career Mm -hmm. and including men in it too. I mean, even though both of our podcasts have titles with the name women included, it's not just a podcast for women. Like men, we need your voices too. We all need to work together to continue to elevate in in our own careers and also elevate this industry to the next level for our fans and our supporters. I couldn't be a bigger fan of yours, Deanna, and I'm pumped to know you and, and stay in touch with you. 
And I think this podcast could go on for two hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if we... Well, that's why, well, that's good because you'll be on mine this season. And so we'll get a full couple hours of us just chatting it up about. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get full circle. I think every, <laughs> every season we'll, we'll reconvene and see, uh, see where we're, where we're at and the new things that we've learned. You have crafted such an incredible episode here. And I have all of my guests finish with their favorite quote because I draw so much inspiration from the words of, of others who inspire me. So what can you leave us with today? All right, so my favorite quote, passion is energy. Feel the power that comes from focusing on what excites you, Oprah Winfrey. And I mean, does Oprah say anything that we don't love? No, <laughs> she's incredible. She's the queen. She is. She's the queen. She was the first woman blazer. I remember <laughs> watching her as, as a child in, in my home and being so inspired by all she did. And I love that you left us with a, with a quote from her today. So yes. Deanna Witter, total dynamo, happens to work for the dynamo. Um, how, <laughs> how fitting is that? Um, thank you for sharing your voice and your message with us today on the Leadership is Female podcast. Wow. Told you that was going to be incredible. Many, many thanks to Deanna. And before top four takeaways, I got to tell you, Deanna was recently honored by the Sports Business Journal as a member of the Game Changers class of 2020. Sports Business Journal Game Changers list is published annually, showcasing women who are making indelible impact on the sports community. I think you'll all agree with me now that it was tremendously well-deserved. Congrats, Deanna. So with that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, how to dominate career fairs. Ask smart questions to the recruiters and show up to learn. This action will make you stand out. Ask, I want to be someone you hire. What are the skill sets I can develop to be a qualified candidate? Number two, the best opportunity is sometimes not to take the opportunity. The first come, number two, the best opportunity is sometimes not to take the opportunity. The first thing to come your way may not be the best. Feel empowered to captain your own career and chart your path to the next best thing, not just the next thing. Number three, think of your career as a series of graduations. When you feel you have learned all you can, contributed to the best of your ability, creating meaningful change and outgrowing your capacity to make change in an organization, it's time to turn your tassel and make your move to level up. And number four, be an athlete of the industry. Sometimes the industry or the organization you are working with changes beyond your control. If your role no longer fits, you cannot play on that team any longer, and that's okay. Keep improving your craft, raising your hand, and owning your network. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.